Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. He wants to be seen as a peace broker in the Ukraine war. But is that really why the Chinese President Xi Jinping is rubbing shoulders with Vladimir Putin in Moscow? Today, Bates Gill from the Asia Society Policy Institute on China's ambitious plans and whether they should worry Australia. Bates Gill, what do we know so far about Xi Jinping's trip to Russia? We've seen images of him sitting side by side with Vladimir Putin. They're sort of making out like they're really good friends. Well, it's interesting the way the uh, meetings have been set up. I think it's clearly intended for the optics to show a kind of uh, informality, Mm -hmm. uh, a close relationship, uh, you know, an informal lunch, a dinner together. Dear President Putin, I always call you my dear friend. I was very glad to receive your proposal for a state visit once again, let alone after my re-election as chairman of China's Communist Party. I chose Russia as the first foreign country to visit. I think the opening optics are that these are two uh, close comrades. Uh, They they know each other well. Mm. And of course, he made it a point to go to Russia immediately after being uh, granted yet another mandate to be uh, China's president at the recent National People's Congress. Mm, What's his mission? I mean, why did he choose Russia? Why has he gone there? Well, given China's deteriorating relationships with almost every other major uh, world power, uh, it makes some sense that China would want to do what it could to make sure that it's maintaining good relations with, with Russia. President Xi also, before he arrived in Moscow, had discussed a 12-point plan, his plan, to end the war. It says in the first point that territorial sovereignty must be respected, uh, a reference to Russia's land grab in Ukraine. But the second point says no country should bolster its security at the expense of others. China takes the position that uh, NATO expansion in Eastern Europe over the years is the core problem in this conflict. China also in some of the other points saying that there must be um, a gradual de-escalation, a comprehensive ceasefire from all... China certainly would like to see this war come to an end. Uh, it's, it's created all sorts of political and even some economic difficulties mm. China's reputation. That is to say, it's, it's ostensible neutrality uh, towards the Ukraine conflict has damaged its reputation, mm. clearly with the United States and other Western powers. So trying to you know, rebalance that deterioration is something I, I think China would very much like to see. Now, whether its 12-point plan is going to be enough I think that's another question entirely. I wouldn't dismiss it entirely out of hand, but you know, it's it's not a peace plan. It's it's simply a, a statement of principles that China believes ought to be followed by all interested parties for for negotiations to possibly proceed. 
Mm, the US officials are pretty sus, aren't they? Because the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, he's previously warned that Beijing could provide weapons to Russia, yeah. although a White House spokesman has said there's no certainty of that. Right. But the US is worried about what's actually going on here. The world should not be fooled by any tactical move by Russia, uh, supported by China or any other country, to freeze the war on its own terms. Well, I think the real problem with the with the 12-point proposal is that it doesn't do enough, certainly from Ukrainian point of view, as well as the wider West, to A, condemn what is clearly a violation of international law by Russia in invading a neighboring territory. It appears to suggest that uh, you know a ceasefire ought to be put in place, which, uh, again, Ukraine and the wider West would object to because that could then solidify whatever gains Russia has been able to make thus far in encroaching on Ukrainian territory. And of course, the 12-point proposal was put forward apparently without any consultation whatsoever with Ukraine itself. Mm, mm. In fact, the U.S. sees it perhaps as a stalling tactic of some sort. This visit by President Xi to Moscow, it helps Putin, doesn't it? It helps him show that his country, Russia, is not completely isolated. Well, that's absolutely right. Uh, and the fact that uh, Vladimir Putin you know, was recently called out by the International Criminal Court. Russian President Vladimir Putin is now a wanted man after the International Criminal Court formally issued a warrant for his arrest over the war in Ukraine. The Russian leader could be arrested and sent to The Hague if he travels to any ICC... And just a week state. later, we see Xi Jinping arm-in-arm with him in Moscow, uh, yeah, certainly helps, at least for Putin's own domestic audiences and, and, and others, helps him deflect that criticism. You think Xi Jinping does want the war in Ukraine to end. And I want to talk to you now about the threat that China actually poses, because there's been a lot of debate about that here, what threat China poses to Australia. That's Debate has circled around, of course, the decision to buy these rather expensive nuclear submarines. And, of course, comments from the former Prime Minister, Paul Keating, that we don't need those, that China does not pose that sort of military threat to us. The only way the Chinese could threaten Australia or, att or attack it is on land. That is, they bring an armada of troop ships with a massive army to occupy us. In which case, we would just sink them all. What's your view on that? I would uh, politely disagree that Australia wouldn't need these uh, more improved capabilities to try and you know, keep potential enemies as far off of Australian shores. There's no doubt that China, uh, over the past 10 or 15 years, has significantly improved its military capabilities and is able to project its power farther and farther from its shores. Uh, it still faces a lot of real obstacles and challenges in doing so, but it's quite clear, to me at least, that uh, the longer-term trajectory is we're going to be seeing a lot more of China, militarily speaking, uh, in our region, and that it will gain ground over time to, to begin to encroach upon uh, Australian interests. Australian interests, for example, by uh, cutting off trade routes and the like, uh, on which Australia depends so heavily. Mm, so Paul Keating is wrong in your view. He also argues that this is much more about the US not wanting China to become bigger than it. 
China has committed in the eyes of the United States the great sin of internationalism. And what is that sin? To develop an economy as big as the United States. That's the sin. They've got as big as the US. You see, and all those, all those strategic people in the US, they get their little book out and they say... Well, there's no doubt that uh, the United States and China are uh, locked in a very, very intense competition with one another. You know, that's unfortunately the world in which we are likely to live going forward, a far more contested relationship between those two great powers. And, you know, countries like Australia uh, that uh, are linked to both of them, uh, China and the United States in different ways, uh, will inevitably be caught up uh, uh, in, in this rivalry. And, uh, you know, it's, it's for the Australian people then to make a decision about, you know, where their interests best lie within this rivalry and how to protect the values and interests of the country. So let's have a look then at what China actually wants. We can see Xi Jinping, he's closing up to Vladimir Putin. What does he want? What are his aspirations? Well, she has been very clear uh, about uh, the, the grand aspirations that he would hope to achieve. Uh, he puts it in a nutshell, uh, the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation uh, and to achieve that status uh, by around 2049, which would mark the 100th anniversary of the People's Republic of China. But how to get there? Um, it's going to mean a number of important achievements. One, of course, is continuing and even strengthening the rule of the Chinese Communist Party and not only remaining in power, but gaining the respect and even appreciation of the international community for its form of governance uh, and the achievements it's made. Mm. But it has other ambitions. It needs to become more wealthy uh, and emerge as a high-income per capita country in the next 10 to 20 years. But maybe maybe most importantly, its objectives in the world are to have a greater say in how the world works. Mm. And this very language is being used in Moscow by, by Xi and by Putin when they speak uh, to one another and broadcast it to the globe. Um, they are demanding that the international community respect their forms of governance, that the international community respect their interests and preferred outcomes internationally, and uh, that the West will just have to get used to it. Mm. President Xi, of course, part of this plan that you talk about is taking back Taiwan, and that's what the West is most concerned about. Well, the... Um, you know, in parlance from Beijing, the so-called return of Taiwan to China is definitely among the most important uh, ambitions that would contribute then to that grander realization of the rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. So this is a great concern. I think we should take this ambition seriously. I think we should take them seriously that they would use force if they believe that it is necessary as a last resort. So let's return then to that security question, our security. Should we be at all concerned by China's plans? And and should we be concerned by this meeting in Moscow? Well, I think we should remain, yes, vigilant and carefully scrutinise, especially China's uh, military ambitions. Uh, Australia has already felt the sting of China's coercive economic leverage when it wishes to use it. Uh, and, and, and there are other 
elements of China's activities internationally that do impinge upon Australian interests. And while I wouldn't call them an existential threat uh, and that the likelihood of direct attack on Australia would be very, very low, um, nevertheless, there are many, many other aspects of China's international behavior, militarily, economically, politically, etc., which do impinge upon Australian interests and need to be need to be countered. On the larger question of what the meeting in Moscow might mean for Australia, uh, I would not be too quick just yet to dismiss it uh, as merely muscle flexing and you know the the meeting of minds of two authoritarian leaders. Uh, let's wait until tomorrow or the next day. Uh, Xi Jinping has taken an enormous risk here, I would say, for his global reputation. I would find it hard to believe that he does not have a plan here uh, and try to position China uh, as more of a mediator or broker. I think we do need to wait and see what really was behind all of this. Why did she take this risk? Can he deliver something that can bring about some kind of settlement to this conflict. Bates Gill is the executive director for the Center for China Analysis at the Asia Society Policy Institute. President Xi's visit to Moscow is scheduled to last for three days. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sam Dunn and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. To get in touch with the team, please email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.